Hello, I'm Kurt Becker. Thanks for joining me as I take another stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. He failed to meet his reserve in the auction ring as a juvenile, was at the center of controversy in the Preakness Stakes at age three, and beat some of the best in the business as a four-year-old. His name was Desert Wine. Fold on February 23, 1980 at the Airdrie Stud of co-breeder Brereton Jones in Midway, Kentucky, Desert Wine was a bay colt by former Horse of the Year Damascus out of Ann Campbell by Never Bend. Bred also by Warnerton Farm of Marvin Warner, the colt was consigned in Jones's name to Keeneland's 38th July selected yearling sale. Selling late in the session on a Tuesday afternoon, Desert Wine sold for $165,000 with Bloodstock agent L.L. Packy McMurray signing the ticket on behalf of Washington State lumberman Dan Agnew and his Tenino Ranch. Agnew bought the colt as a pinhooking prospect, that is, with hopes of reselling him at a profit as a two-year-old, but ran into a problem of sorts. As Desert Wine was being prepped for that two-year-old's in training sale, he was doing so well that Agnew decided he might want to protect him in the sales ring by submitting a reserve bid. Ultimately, he stipulated it would take a bid of at least $300,000 in order to make a sale. But no one at the auction at Hollywood Park that day was willing to bid past $180,000, and so Agnew kept the colt and sent him to trainer Jerry Fanning. As it happened, Fanning's brother Lev was manager at the all-new Cardiff Stud Farm, a venture established by San Francisco real estate entrepreneur Fred Sahadi. And with Lev Fanning having helped prep Desert Wine for the juvenile sale, Sahadi decided to buy an interest in the colt, with Agnew selling him 50% at a price of $165,000. Through the transaction, Agnew was able to recoup the original purchase price. Agnew was aware that Desert Wine was training well, and that would soon translate to success at the races. Desert Wine won on debut at Hollywood Park in June of 1982, and he won the Grade 2 Hollywood Juvenile Championship in his second start just under a month later. He would add another graded victory in the sunny slope stakes at Santa Anita before the year ended. As the calendar turned to 1983, Desert Wine added two more graded victories, taking the San Rafael and San Felipe stakes in back-to-back -back starts. The latter came via promotion by the stewards, following a stretch drive which one journalist said had more interference than a cheap radio. That same reporter called Desert Wine one of the West Coast's leading hopes for the Kentucky Derby. And while a win at Churchill Downs later that spring was not meant to be, the Colt would run well to finish second at odds of 15-1 to 1 in the 109th run for the Roses behind Sonny's Halo. Not surprisingly, the runner-up finish in the Derby convinced his connections to send Desert Wine to Pimlico for the Preakness two weeks later. But controversy arose when the Maryland Racing Commission declared he could not run with the aid of the anti-bleeding medication for Rosamide, better known as Lasix. The issue hinged on interpretation of the Maryland rule concerning Lasix and whether or not Desert Wine's status as a bleeder in California had been specifically observed by a state veterinarian under racing conditions. In what journalist Bill Christine called the drugstore derby, Desert Wine received Lasix for the Preakness, but only at the direct order of a Baltimore Circuit judge just 24 hours before the race. And so, Lasix and all, Desert Wine went to the post for the Preakness, grabbed the lead at the start, set the pace, but finished second to Maryland-bred deputed testimony after getting passed in the stretch. 
The result prompted winning trainer Bill Boniface to remark, the California boys won in court yesterday, but we won on the track today. Despite a three-year-old season which had produced two graded stakes wins and two classic placings, Desert Wine still had his critics. They said he was a headstrong horse who would not relax or rate under race conditions. But Fanning was already addressing that issue by finding a stronger exercise rider to work with the horse in the mornings. Critics also said that Desert Wine's five runner-up finishes in grade one races had discouraged him, prompting Fanning to remark, horses don't get discouraged by that type of thing, owners do. Turns out Fanning knew his horse better than the critics did. As a four-year-old in 1984, Desert Wine would post three wins in grade one races and become the sport's 50th millionaire. The grade one triumphs, all with Eddie Delahousie in the saddle, came in the Stroob Stakes at Santa Anita, the Californian at Hollywood Park, and the Hollywood Gold Cup. The score in the Californian came while returning from an injury after an 18-week layoff, while the win in the Hollywood Gold Cup came at the expense of two-time Horse of the Year, John Henry. Desert Wine would retire from racing following a fifth-place finish in the inaugural Breeders' Cup Classic later that season, boasting a career slate of eight wins and more than $1.6 million in earnings. He stood at Cardiff Stud in California and later at St. Hilaire Stud in Yakima, Washington, where he died in 2003 of a heart attack at the age of 23. As for his impact on the breed, Desert Wine is perhaps best remembered as a broodmare sire. One of his daughters produced grade one winning millionaire subordination, while another became the grand dam of Breeders' Cup turf winner St. Nicholas Abbey. They rank as just two examples of the influence of desert wine on the sport's breeding and bloodlines. Please join me again next week as I take another stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. For HRRN, I'm Kurt Becker.